when lockdown started, the first thing that sort of started to appear was all those wonderful um, streaming services so yeah. that you could see through much theatre, uh, etc. First, firstly, I should say I had coronavirus the week before lockdown oh, and the kind of first week of lockdown, we think. I mean, obviously, I can't be certain, but yeah, I had all the symptoms and everything. Didn't have Blimey. to go to hospital. Happy, but I tell you, even at the level I had it at, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. So by the time I came around from all of that, everything was streaming. I thought this is going to be fantastic. It's going to be such an opportunity to catch up with so many things I've missed through all the traveling yeah. that I've done. And I've seen two. That <laughs> <laughs> is literally it. I have seen two. I watched uh, Joseph because one of my actors from the Walking with Dinosaur tour was playing uh, Pharaoh. That's Robert Torty. And then I watched uh, Flowers from Mrs. Harris because ah. the wonderful Gary Walmart was in that. Um, and yeah, I've not seen anything else because there just seems to have been that. I, I mean, yes, it's horrendous. It's awful. And I, you know, I take my hat off to all those people that have been really poorly with it because it must have been horrendous and lost people through it but from a personal point of view I have really enjoyed the opportunity to be at home for mm. a considerable length of time I suppose and catch up with all those things that uh I've needed doing really around the house and in the garden and you know the list there was two lists really there was the list of things that I wanted to do and I did all of that and then I was left with the list of things that weren't quite so exciting so I'm still <laughs> way through those caught up with people finally via zoom and via facetime and everything that I haven't spoken to for a long time so from a personal point of view I've been really lucky I think and tried to make the most of it the best way I can and have literally not stopped yeah if I'm honest well, I was still at sea when it when it all began. I was yeah. I was away for a month. I couldn't I couldn't yeah. get back, and it was um, I've I'm I'm like you. I haven't done I I've not baked a banana bread. Um, I've not no. caught up on half the things I should have. <laughs> yeah, you were away, and I was and I was following your sort of trying to get home journey type thing. And then I'd got another friend, Ian Kanawa, and he was on one of the Disney cruise lines, oh. um, and he was trying to get home to New York. Um, yeah, I did feel for you, but then actually when I did speak to him, he'd quite enjoyed his little time at sea. He said mm. it wasn't as bad as he thought it was going to be. So, um, well, it was a, how... a, a lot less restrictive than it was when I got home. I mean, we could still see right. each other. We could still have contact with each other because we, okay. we, we'd essentially all been quarantined. The, yeah. when, when, um, the U S kind of were, went a little bit earlier with things. So, we knew we had to turn back to get our, our guests back. We were on halfway on a crossing from Miami to Barcelona and um, we'd passed St. Martin and we were kind of out in the Atlantic Ocean and the decision was made to turn around and, uh, and, and get everybody back. And then we spent two weeks in Fort Lauderdale and then two weeks uh, on the way back to Portsmouth. So it's, it's been interesting. My passport has just been left. It's, it's gathering dust, which is, uh, I know, I know how you feel. Mine's exactly the same. We were four days away from flying to the States with Bat Out of Hell, which is what I was working on just yeah. as we went into lockdown. And then from there, we're supposed to be going to Australia. Um, so yeah, my passport is like yours gathering dust for a while, <laughs> but, uh, that's no, that's not, that's good, I think, in a yeah. way. For me, it's been nice to sort of, yeah, actually enjoy living in my house. Absolutely. And how do you think, mm. do you think travelling has changed you as a person? Or was was travelling something that was always part of you, like from a young age? Uh, definitely not. The first time I ever went abroad was for my first job at 19 when I was uh, dancing out in the Algarve. That's the first time I'd ever set foot on a plane. Wow. Um, but I oh, totally, totally and utterly got the bug as in, I'm so grateful that my career has allowed me to travel the way it has, because it's absolutely a passion that I didn't know I had mm. as it were. Um, and, and yeah, I, I still, every country that I go to, can't believe that I'm there and I'm working and I'm having this amazing opportunity to see another part of the world, their cultures, eat their food, which is always fantastic. Mm. Um, drink their wine. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> yeah, just see what's going on somewhere else. And I think it has, 
I don't know, massively changed me as a person. I don't know whether you can say that because obviously I don't know what sort of person I'd have been. But um, I'd like to think it, it sort of, through widening your horizons, it makes you um, uh, aware of walking in other people's shoes a little mm. bit more and, and more tolerant of uh, different ways of life, I suppose, because you've seen things from lots of different angles. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think it has changed me, and I'm grateful for those uh, changes, as it were. I think I think the big thing I've found with travel is people say, "Oh, would that be a good place to go on holiday?" And I, I yeah. go, "Well, with quite a few places, it's more." I think you are changed by the experience of being there. I toured to China about uh, in mm-hmm. 2015, and it's not somewhere that I would say, "Oh, get your bathing cozies out and go there." Mm-hmm. But I definitely think it's something you have to live and kind of um, and try. I totally agree with you. I think China was one of the bigger um, experiences for me in that I do remember standing on the Great Wall of China and bursting into tears in the sense that the only time I'd ever really sort of seen it was obviously at school in sort of picture books type thing and I don't think I ever thought as a child I would ever have a reason to go to China or go to China and I couldn't believe I was there doing something that I love and having this opportunity to experience this completely different way of life. Um, yeah, it was unbelievable, really. And uh, the only thing is, when you are working, as I'm sure you'll find, you find, you don't get a great deal of time to experience uh, the places that you visit. So when people do say, "Is that a great place to go on holiday?" You're like, um, "Yeah, it might be," <laughs> but I this, this bit or this bit. Or we used to. I mean, when I was touring with dinosaurs, we were on a, in a different country every single week. Um, so like you'd spend the end of the previous week looking at the top 10 things to do <laughs> in the next country you're visiting just that you have the experience of as much as possible but knowing you've got to get it done in the shortest time possible really. I, I can tell you which uh, cities in the world have good hotel rooms that's definitely yeah. something I've learned. <laughs> or good room service or a good bar. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean or good transport links between the venue that you're working at and the hotel but that's that's something from UK tours as well people often say oh I always remember the pub next to the theatre um absolutely you know totally I remember the very first tour I ever did is 150,000 years ago um South Pacific uh starring Gemma Craven and I remember Mm. it was I was so new to it and I remember talking to one of the guys in the company that had been in the business a long time and was used to touring all the time and sort of saying to him, I can't remember where we're going. I think it was like your neck of the woods. I think it was Sunderland or something like that we right. had to do. And um, saying, well, what's the theatre like there? And him saying, I have no idea. And me thinking, how can you not have any <laughs> idea? Because, but now I sort of understand what he means because when you've, I mean, now it's different because I've been back to so many of them so many times. I kind of, do know what they're like but if you've only been once or twice they do start blending into one Hmm. after a while you just kind of know the backstage area and which corridor leads to which bit whilst you're there for that week and then you move on to the next one and it's only when you come back you kind of go ah yeah I kind of remember this door led to here or whatever Hmm. um so yeah you become very familiar with a very sort of tiny bubble oh bubble that's the word to use at the moment isn't it you get yeah, very familiar with a small bubble within the vicinity of the theatre. Uh, where the best place is to grab a sandwich, something to eat after the show. Yes, the best pub, definitely. And the digs, best digs. And it's often either the really good ones or the absolute dross. So the the middle ones are kind of just, oh, by the by, but it's you'll never forget a bad digs or, you know, when you had a <laughs> dreadful dressing right. room. Uh, hint, hint, Carlisle, yeah. cough, cough, and all of that, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I worked on really. Uh, Barnsley, I think. <laughs> Way back in yeah. But the the great thing that we can kind of talk about as well is the uh, we not just the experience of theatre touring, but arena touring as well. I mean, that uh, is a yeah. completely different ball game in itself, and just. Um, the way you live and feeling like you're you're kind of especially when we worked together for CBBS, it, it felt like I was part of a rock band. It was wonderful. It's a well, it was called the big band that year, wasn't it? It was. So, 
<laughs> were a rock band. You, you four were the rock band. And believe me, um, in my head, I ro- I was rocking it when we. The highlight, I, I must say, and I, I, th- I think it must be for everybody. Well, one's the hometown, it's Newcastle, and then the other yeah. one is Wembley because Wembley. everybody say, wants, everybody yeah. wants you know? to walk out and say hello, Wembley, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I think those CB present- CBB's presenters felt exactly the same thing when they said exactly that, hello, Wembley, <laughs> hoping to remember which arena they were in that day, actually, it has yeah. to be said. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it is completely different. Um in that the arenas, not so much probably in the UK, well, yeah, even so in the UK, are slightly further out of town. Hmm. They're not always right in the centre of town, so therefore you're very often touring or you're catering with you as well. And you are, rather than having digs, you tend to live all in the hotels together. Hmm. So it's very much 24-7, so it is more like touring, like a a rock band, really. And, And, I mean, certainly... Well, with CBeebies as well, but when we were doing Dinosaurs, most of the crew were rock and roll crew as opposed to theatre crew, which was certainly interesting the first time around because they have (laughs) different ways of doing things at different times and uh, sort of a crossover. Um, But uh, yeah, it's brilliant. And I mean, when you walk into Arena, there is nothing set up. It's just one big empty space. So you've really got to make it your own. in terms of lots of lots of pipe and drape hung up all over the place to differentiate between rooms and spaces yes. and 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 cables all over the place and lorries backstage because they can fit you know mm. within within the venue so there's you know uh, you've often got a lorry that is the engineering department or whatever that's just backstage behind you with you people um, people think uh, that touring that way might be quite glamorous but um i mean all i can remember from a lot of venues is literally a, a strip of lights either side so you don't set your neck and then kind yeah. of that's that's it other than lorries full of equipment <laughs> totally i think you're absolutely right i mean it's slightly different for me because i get to go out front doing the job that yeah. i do so i get to experience it from both sides which is absolutely fantastic and why I suppose I love my job so much, really. Um, and the nice thing about an arena is, you know, it's always sort of circular. So if you are lost, you just keep going in the direction you're yes. going. And eventually you will get round to the bit that you actually want, even if it's taking you. But it's great for a step count as well. You know, if you've got a Fitbit on, you've done your 10,000 steps by sort of 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's such a vast uh, arena. I mean, I think when I first started working in arenas, it, it was something so alien to me. But actually now, it's one of my favourite ways of working, I think, because you do have to make it your own space. You do have to really make it your home for the time that you're there. Um, and, and yeah, you've got to create something out of nothing. And it's it's and then you just get huge amounts of people in. However, I, that is clearly, I would have thought, going to be the last form of theatre that's back. Mm. Um because it's got the biggest amount of people in one space. So as and when that will ever come back, I don't know. Especially if you look at like, from a CBeebies point of view, you can't have, I mean, we used to have like a little mosh pit down the front, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. Sort of where, where they all, the sort of ones, twos, threes, fours and five-year-olds uh, sort of headed down the front like you would for a normal concert. Well, you know, that's not gonna happen because they're not, they're not at an age where they're gonna understand social distancing, so. you know it's going to be a long time before anything like that happens again but yeah it's it's certainly different and um you know I'm grateful to CBeebies because really I suppose it was CBeebies that gave me the opportunity to then move on to walking with dinosaurs Mm. because they were looking for something very specific they were looking for somebody that had arena experience but was also used to working with puppets and skin characters and that kind of thing. And there probably weren't many of us around at that time. <laughs> that had now it's slightly different due to, you know, shows like War Horse and that. There are a few more hmm. of us around. But at the time, there wasn't really, you know, very few of us that had that opportunity to do, to sort of cross over in that, in that way. So... Um, yeah, CBeebies has lots of happy memories. 
Agreed. All of them. I mean, my goodness, I the I can only think happy. That's that's yeah. one of the happiest work environments I think I've ever worked in. It just it's and you think it's a colossal project to put on in such a yeah. like we rehearsed in a very quick quick amount of time up in um was it Caledonian Road, Holloway Road? Um and yeah. um it just it, yeah, wonderful memories and I remember at that time, uh, a colleague of ours, Will Brenton, we'd, we'd done a bit of work yeah. together before that. And just mm-hmm. the whole area of children's theatre is just, when you get it right, it's just such a joy to be part of. I, a question I wanted to ask you um, before we, we talk a little bit more about that is, is when, when did you know that being on that side of the audition table was what you wanted and you, you, you enjoyed being a creative? Uh, very, very soon. Well, no, not very soon. Um, I spent my entire life thinking I wanted to be a performer, like most people do. Mm. Went to full-time theatre school when I was 12, was a boarder. So, I mean, I was away from home and everything because it was absolutely everything that I wanted to do. Did a million and one shows and cabarets and all of that kind of thing at college, like everybody does. Then set foot on stage for my first professional show and I can even remember the choreography of my entrance which ended in a you know like eight counts into pose and as I posed I looked out there and thought oh my god everybody's staring at me now quite clearly they weren't just staring at me they were clearly staring at everybody else on stage but that's all I could see and it made me feel sick and Mm. then I went into panic mode thinking what am I going to do I've spent my entire life thinking this was what I was going to do it's what I've trained for I hadn't considered anything else as a career. However, I'd, at college, I'd done a lot of teaching and I loved that. So I thought, oh, well, maybe that's where it's meant to be. Maybe I am meant to be a teacher, a dance and drama teacher. So I taught for various people, then started my own school um, and then gradually got asked to choreograph various shows. Um, mainly starting with Will, who you've been talking about, Will Brenton and Ian Lachlan, who uh, at the time had a company called Telltale, and they did a lot of uh, children's uh, work and pantomimes, etc. So I worked with them quite a bit. But that was always alongside my theatre school. And everyone was saying, oh, you should do more of this, you should do more of it. And I thought, "Mm, I don't know, really. But gradually, I think, that and the... I then started becoming assistant director on projects, mainly because nobody could afford to pay me any more as I went back <laughs> each year. So I said, well, can I have a different title instead then? Um, so I kind of worked my way up the ladder that way, really. Um, and I'm glad I did, actually, because I'm glad I was a performer first. I, I hope it helps me understand the world from a performer's point of view, even though I'm on the opposite side. Um, so it's a very gradual process. But once I was there, I realised that, oh, this is where I was meant to be all along. And had I known this role existed when I was at college, I'd have probably gone for it in the first place. But I didn't even know. I mean, a resident director, associate director, even trying to explain to anybody outside the business what that is, they don't know. As soon as you say, in fact, I was talking to somebody at the weekend and I said I was involved in theatre, they'd never met me before. And they immediately thought I meant medical theatre. I was kind of nurse or doctor. I was like, no, 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 no. Um, so it's, a, it's even now, it's a difficult resident director or associate director. It's a very difficult title to explain to somebody that mm. isn't our world, to yeah. be honest. Um, but yeah, definitely a gradual process. Uh, it kind of dawned on me as I went along. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is where I'm meant to be. And I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I I have to agree. I think the buzz that you get, you get a buzz from both sides of the, uh, you know, performing and creative. But when you have a part in putting together uh, so many different things, I think I I realized that a few years back is that I love the idea of how everything comes together. I've I've always been a massive theater nerd and anybody who listens to this will know what a geek I am but I love every aspect of it and I think it's why I started this podcast is because I want to know about the sound the light how important the design is and it just everything coming together I think is it gives you a satisfaction that I have never felt 
as a performer up until now. And um, it's just such a joy. That is really lovely to hear, actually. That is really lovely to hear. A lot of people who do what I do are performers as well, or were performers, and still, I think, really would rather be on that side. Mm. I, I have no desire. You could pay me a million pounds. I have no desire <laughs> to set on stage. I will hide back. I'm usually in black the whole time. My excuse for that is it means I can always pop backstage into the wings if I need to. Genius. But it's usually to do with the fact that I'd really rather not be noticed whatsoever. I'm quite happy just pushing everybody else in the right direction and making sure that they achieve what they're supposed to achieve. And that has got to be the best feeling in the world. I agree with you totally about wanting to put everything together and it's fantastic, apart from when you then want to go to the theatre yourself and just sit down and enjoy oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> it is so hard. You All of a sudden you're your eyes are drawn to why is that doing that and why are they standing there and oh that's a bit odd or whatever so I always know when I've been to see something that is phenomenal because I haven't thought about any of those things well, it's, and it's great the thing with that as well is I even do it with telly now because when I was a kid I, I, I did telly yeah. for a while and um all of the social distancing now things like Emmerdale Coronation Street have been filming and I yeah. have pointed out to so many people where you can see how they've socially distanced it and they've been like you've ruined this I can't watch it anymore <laughs> because you've yeah. absolutely ruined it so um but yeah I, I get that it's it sitting in the theater I'm all it's you've got so many other things that you kind of consider you try and switch off but it's it's very hard, so hard. yeah try so hard but I have to be quite near the front which means it's a very expensive business because <laughs> the nearer I am to the front the less I'm taken in by everything else that's happening to make the picture if I'm too far back I can see all the beams of light I can I'm you know usually sat next to the sound desk or whatever and then I'm like oh no this is you know I just need to forget all of that and just concentrate on what's happening so mm. just going back to what you've just been saying there about tv isn't it weird I don't know whether you found it but I'm now at the point where I'm the opposite to that about the social distancing. I'm now looking at obviously repeats of things that were done before social distancing. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, why are they standing so close to each other? <laughs> oh my goodness, they've just hugged each other or kissed each other. And then I think, oh yeah, of course this will have been filmed before before we weren't allowed to do any of that kind you, of thing. You it's start to look at films and TV and you go, oh, I couldn't do that today. Oh, they, they couldn't be stood that close. And it's kind of... <laughs> I feel the joy of life just going oh, out of my body. Even during rehearsals, we only had two two weeks rehearsals for that. My God, before <laughs> we, before we were heading off to America. Um, and even, I mean, I don't know how many of your listeners will have seen the show, but um, there is an awful lot of uh, intense kissing going on between our two leading characters. Let's put it mm. that way. Intense. <laughs> throughout the show and even at the end of that one um week one of rehearsals we were at a point where we had to say mm, there's so much being talked about in the media now mm. nothing I mean obviously we hadn't gone into lockdown or anything at that point we had to say okay we think we've nailed we think we've nailed that bit of the character so can we just rehearse this week without <laughs> sort of touching each other or going anywhere near each other which is quite hard when you've only kind of like only done a week yeah. really um but it was already becoming sort of prevalent then really I suppose that Talk, we're going to have to talking about Bat Out of Hell uh, I did Panto uh, in Swindon the other year and Catherine Hare who worked on the show uh, is she yeah was she working on it no she's not there's there's been lots of different changes over the the time just mainly to do with people's availability I think she uh, was saying that vocally it's a absolute nightmare well it is I mean if you think about any of the the songs Meatloaf songs oh, it's unbelievable thing, they're all phenomenally phenomenally long to start with um, and all over the place vocally. <laughs> um, I mean, it is a rocky, you know, it's a rocky musical uh, and they're fab. They're, it's such a fab cast. It's such a shame. You know, when just, we've all been in this industry a long time and you come together as a cast and you all get on great and you all go away and you come together. But just every so often, 
one cast really, really gels and mm. everybody's on board together right from day one. Probably usually the ones that have the least amount of rehearsal time, I think, because everybody gets <laughs> like thrown into it, you know, at the, the, straight away. But this little group, oh, it was just an absolute joy to go into work every day. And I'm not, I'm not emotional at all. I mean, I'm sort of a bit of an emotional desert in terms of when the show's finished, well, the show's finished. It's been lovely. It's time to move on to the next one, whatever. I'll see you all again sometime soon. But on that final day, actually, our final day of rehearsal was the first day that we'd put the whole show together. It was the final Saturday of the two weeks. And we literally were going in to put the whole show together, having been told on the Friday night that it was all off and we weren't going. Um, so they all came in to do a run through on the Saturday. They all saw for the first time what each had been rehearsing in another room. Oh dear, it was, it was, uh, it was very emotional at the end. We had to go to the pub. You know, we all had to go to the pub to drown our sorrows because, <laughs> yeah. And then they all went back to wherever they've gone and that's it, you know, so. But, you know, in, in the future, hopefully, you will be reunited in one form or another. Very much so. We've all been in touch. I mean, they've done a couple of uh, YouTube PCAs. I think they've got one on the go at the moment. Right. Um, but, you know, just because just they're really enjoying, you know, working together still. And, yeah, the office have been in touch with us regularly and the plans are in place. It's just, as with everybody, waiting for the green light really mm. and is that going to be this side of christmas or is it going to be the other side of christmas i think we'll know very soon i'm sure we will because everybody needs to plan Absolutely. it's just horrifying hearing how many theaters are struggling already you know so anyway enough of the negativity got to be positive Ab well absolutely and you know looking at the the work that you've you know, all the different things you've worked on. There's such a, a variety of stuff that you, you, you've looked at. And that's amazing. And that I think you're similar to me in that, again, it's going back to that idea of wanting to know so much about the industry and enjoying so many different parts of the industry. What is uh, the challenge that you would really like to get into? Is there, a, is there a show or is there a certain type of show which hasn't come up yet, but would be your absolute dream to work on? Uh, that's interesting. It was uh, to do a play. Right. Because... I'd only ever really been involved in musical form of theatre. I'm not going to say musical theatre because some of it is musical theatre, some of it is more arena show, but it's still got music behind it. Yeah. Uh, CBBs is still very musical, etc. And I really, sort of this time last year, actually, I went to see Company in the West End with a really good friend who said at the interval, if you could have any job you wanted to next, what would it be? I said to work on a play because I've never had that opportunity. And about a week later, my agent rang and said, somebody's just phoned, they're interested in you. Would you like to go and work on this? So I said, yes. And I think that's partly why I've done so many different things because I'm not very good at saying no. I just, well, it's not <laughs> I'm not saying no. Like you, I don't know, everything interests me. So yeah. I said yes to everything because you never quite know what it's what you're going to learn from it and what, you don't know where, where it might lead there might be something exactly. which comes up from it that you go wow this is this is taking me in a journey yeah. that I never expected yeah I think my whole career has been like that every job has led to another job in some way shape or form I think if I look back on it all um so so that was sort of I don't know June July time last year and then August I was in rehearsal for the man in the white suit which started in Bath and then transferred to uh, town, to the Wyndhams. So so I'm not sure I do have one now, really, because <laughs> the one I really had got to do, that I really wanted to do, I've, I've done. So I don't know. No, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't think I have. Maybe to do something brand, brand, brand. Well, no, not even to do brand new, because The Man in the White Suit was brand new as a stage piece. So I can't even say that. Hmm. So no, I just love work. I don't think I'll ever retire, really. I uh, yeah, I say the same thing. Why would you, why would you? I know if you enjoy your job, and 
that is something I am so, so grateful for, that I have been able to make a living doing the one thing I wanted to, you know, the one in the area that I wanted to be in. It's just, and it's the one thing I say to anybody, you know, younger people that aren't necessarily in our business, but don't know what they what they want to do. I'll say, you just try and find something that you love because you spend so many hours of your life at work if you don't enjoy it. I can't imagine doing a job that I don't enjoy getting up for. Yeah. I'm sure there are days where I don't like it, obviously, <laughs> like those people. But uh, yeah, it's just, we just get to meet so many people, don't we? Mm. You know, just so many people from with so many different characters, so many different stories to tell, all coming together to create this one piece of hopefully something wonderful. Stand by for something corny here, but uh, at the minute, yeah. I am... Um, the, the one thing I want to do is get in a room with a bunch of people and just create yeah. something. It's incredibly... Yeah. I, can't, I can't tell you how strong that feeling is at the moment. Yeah. It's there is truly nothing like it. And I would never say that I ever took it for granted because if I'm ever directing or or working on something on a creative side, you I don't need an alarm clock in the morning because it's just it's wonderful. It's the most incredible thing, whether it's at a drama school or whether it's, you know, working wherever in the world, you know, and um it's the one thing that that's really lacking just having people exploring and finding things for themselves that's you money can't buy that that's fantastic and um yeah we're 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 worse off without it well i think we are very people orientated if we are in our business Mm. we have to want to you know we're not a figures type people we're not you know in an office type people we are people people and so we thrive off the energy of everybody else in the room so when you you're not with that it's it's hard it is hard really hard and at the moment yeah as you say it's not looking promising (laughs) although we have had some good news this week haven't we yeah the outdoor being able to return and everything so hopefully you know we'll 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 get there we will get there eventually so i've just been thinking about one thing though go for it i haven't done yet which is something you and I have been talking about for a long time, which is actually working together on something. Oh, yeah. Are we, are we talking we, about, we, let's talk about this now. This is good. We have been saying that, I think, since the day we met. We should do something together. We and we just haven't done that yet. And we're, what did you say, five years down the line now? I know. I know. It's got longer than that. It's got 2014 CBBs. Yeah. So that's at least six years. And then I met you before that. Yeah. Um, or rather, you see this... This is for those, all those people that don't think people notice people when they go to the theatre. You might be oh. not in the lead role, but you might be seen by somebody in an audience. Because I came down to see Panto in Plymouth. Oh, that you oh were my God. In. Came down to see uh, the lovely James Barron and yeah. Hilary O'Neill in Dick Whittington. And you were in that pantomime. I was. I didn't know time and then you came in to audition for CBeebies and I said I know that guy and he was great oh Ali (laughs) do you know what I must say and like I know audition stories can be boring but this one isn't genuinely when I did the CBeebies audition is by far the best uh, audition I've ever done and I remember that Sam Parker who also works oh, yeah. yeah and has worked for CBBS for a little while we were kind of up up for the same part and we did it, it was just jamming there was like four of us at a time swapping on the yeah. keyboards swapping on the instruments I've never got such a rush from an audition before and you know where you think I just I just need to do this I, I just need to be part of this yeah. and um I, I did a, a little bit after that. I did some work with Paul and, and Barry Bignold, um, who are huh? just incredible as well for children's theatre. And just that, I think it was a period about seven, eight months of my life was just uh, a dream. And then I went on to, you're talking about people seeing you in shows. Uh, Paul mm-hmm. Hendy and Emily Woods came to see me uh-huh. in CBeebies. And then that led to me, performing and directing Dear Santa for three years, which was just, you know, it it's one thing that leads to another thing. And 
I, I we talk a lot on this podcast about a series of fortunate events that happen. Yeah. Someone just happens to be there at the right time. Do you feel like for your yeah. career there have been moments which almost were like sliding door moments it could have gone one way or the other absolutely all the way through absolutely all the way through uh, you know I, when I say I talk about it I've actually had people say to me at the end so basically you've just had luck There's no talent involved. <laughs> you're just in the right place at the right time and you kind of go oh yeah maybe I was no um yeah I think my entire my entire career has been, like we said, it just one thing leads to another, introduces you to somebody new, introduces you to, or you do something that somebody else happens to be looking for, you know, a specific skill you've got or whatever. And yeah, it's just gone, What all the way through has been like that. Yeah. All the way through. So let's do a little uh, Desert Island Discs with you. You can take... Uh, one cast recording so it can be a musical or an opera and you can take one album which is not from theater completely separate from your area of work that is really hard and you know why <laughs> i don't know if it's because i choreograph but i don't listen to music ah. when i'm on my own i do not listen to music at all i think it's because my brain yes yeah, starts choreographing to it in my head um, in terms of musicals, that's probably going to be my easy one. Cast recording. I think it would be. I reckon it would be, if you're talking a specific cast, it would probably be the original uh, La Cage Folle at the Palladium Beautiful. with George Hurton and Dennis Quilly. Probably that one. Mm. Um, I think, and off there, it would be anything by Bon Jovi because I'm a Bon Jovi fan. You're halfway there. You're living on a prayer. I <laughs> indeed, yes. Have you got a favourite so, Bon Jovi song? No, I just, I'm, I mean, like you have to have the greatest hits blaring in the car all the time, just so I can. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, that you, is you, really not cool, is it? it no, is it's so good. not cool. Well, it's it's but, either that or Barry Manilow as well. Well, yeah, there is that thrown in the club. He kind, of, he kind of crosses over a little bit because he's so theatrical. And then, you know, he's well, not really... Well, he is a musical writer, obviously. He's done you, you talk about projects to work on in the future. He's got a one coming out in February next year called Harmony, which is a um, based on a, a... I think they were a Jewish four-piece, beautiful piece. Uh -huh. And, um, yeah, yeah, I... I, I Barry's a uh, always a good choice. Um, so we had a good night. We did have a good night. I mean, he doesn't just put on a concert; he puts on a show. It was a great show. We had a lovely time. Yes, anybody <laughs> else that would go with me. So I was so grateful when you said yes. Oh, it, it was a dream come true for me. So, so for you, um, post COVID, because I'm so sick yes. of talking about it. Is what do you want to do? Where? What's next for you? Well, obviously, um, probably Bat Out of Hell, if we can get it on the road, would be great because I'd really like to see it out there. Um, it is different. It's a different one. It's the strangest story in the world, probably in lots of ways. I mean, uh, it's supposed that, what do they say it is? It's Peter Pan mixed with Romeo and Juliet and kind of go, hmm, <laughs> that's a lot one. Uh, but I loved working on it. I love the music. It was brilliant. So that will be happening. Um, I also, uh, whilst I was working on one of the jobs, uh, whilst I was working on Dirty Dancing, actually, qualified as a sports massage therapist. Ah. Um, do, um, and that actually has become quite a big part of my life now, to be fair. And so uh, I'm trying to use the time whilst we're in this COVID situation to upgrade my qualifications in that that I can do a bit more of that. I thought it'd be something that was always very separate to my theatre career, but actually right. incredibly combined. Well, so. skin work in particular, again, going back to CBeebies, that was, uh, it was an absolute godsend having... It's it is seriously everything. I mean, I was stood in the wings on Dirty Dancing. There's so many repetitive strain injuries on that show. 
and you'd have every dancer coming off, you know, grabbing hold of their arm, grabbing hold of their leg, you know, whatever. Ow, my arm, ow, my leg, whatever. 16 bars later, they're back on stage. And I thought, if I knew exactly where to prod and poke them, I'd probably get them through that night's performance. Yeah. And then they could see somebody the next day. So, again, stuck on tour in a hotel room, started studying my anatomy and physiology, and then went off to do a course and realised just how much I love it. It brings so much joy to people because they get so much relief from it and so much relaxation from it, actually. That when I then toured, what did I then do next after that? Jersey Boys, I think. Um, I took my bed, my massage couch on tour. It became a bit of a psychiatric couch, to be fair. <laughs> I was lying on the bed with the face facing downwards. They can't see you. So mm. they start talking about all sorts of things. And I think that helps too. So... And then I'd have all the musicians coming in and the crew coming in. Um, so I was really busy. And then uh, even again, just on The Man in the White Suit, the role that uh, Stephen Mangan, he played the lead. And uh, it was an incredibly physical role, um, you know, real knockabout comedy. He was falling downstairs and in and out of all sorts of things, as anybody who's been involved with Sean Foley yes. directing a show will know. Um, uh, you know, you can't get away with it being anything but. So uh, Stephen had actually had written into his contract that he was entitled to a massage every day. So that somehow got added to my um, associate oh. director um, duty. <laughs> <laughs> but I got paid extra for it. So, oh. you know, who cares? You know, I'm, you know, um, so, um, yes. Yeah, so it's been way more intertwined than I ever thought it would be. Um, and, uh, yeah, it seems an, a really great opportunity to upgrade really whilst I'm off. Mm. So that, um, there's a course coming up and of course it's all been put on hold because obviously you can't really do that without actually touching somebody, yeah. but that's now, um, we can now do that. So hopefully September time I can get back involved with that. And, um, who knows? I think that's the other thing I love about it. I don't really... All these people that have, you know, probably not in our profession, because I don't think anybody can to a certain extent, but all the people that have normal jobs, that have these five-year plans and things. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in yeah. five weeks. Never mind, you know, five months. Five, I, I don't know. I really don't know. And that's also what I love about it, because... You know, as I said, sat there in June saying, I think I'd quite like to do a play. And then mm. three weeks later, I'm doing a play. I mean, I was very lucky in that respect. It doesn't always happen like that, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just what I'm open to anything and everything that gets thrown at me. And yeah, let's go for it and see what happens. If anyone's willing to give me an alley a space in London somewhere uh, to yeah. do some creative stuff. Um, and yeah. uh, we we can do a good deal. We'll do a fair deal with you. And um, yeah. I'm going to send you something, Ali. After this, um, I don't okay. want to give it away in case somebody steals it. But um, okay. I'll, I'll let Thank you have you. a look. <laughs> the um, the one question I I did want to ask, and um, it's something that I asked a dear friend of mine who's a director as well. Um, the creative team. In, previous decades has kind of been a, a bit more male centric is that something that you you feel like you've come across any kind of discrimination or any kind of um, difference in in the way people work with you because of your gender hmm. okay that's uh yes is the honest answer yes i i believe it is changing hugely and has been for the last few years definitely in terms of uh, job role availability um, and and yes I do think there is I don't know there is definitely a gender issue I think with some people but I don't think that's necessarily with my role I think it's with any walk of life you know there are some people just don't want to be told what to do by a woman somebody younger than them somebody old you know it, it just crops up in life full stop so personally I've decided not to let it get to me affect me bother me it's just the way it is however it is good to see it changing 
the one thing I think that is changing more than anything is, um, uh, how can I put it? It's uh, a, a much uh, freer feeling possibly to be able to express yourselves, etc. in a rehearsal room. There's not that um, dominant personality so much in the room. You know, there's been a lot of directors over the time that are, ooh, dare I say, a little bit egocentric and a director. Uh, you know, what I say goes and this is the way it's going to be and um, you are going to do it my way or whatever and I'm working in the role I'm working in but it's it's very often taken out on you to a certain extent I think you can be the whipping boy in in some ways um, because they think they can there's lots of things they want to say or whatever and they'll direct them at you um I think in that respect, I've definitely got older and wiser and don't let that happen <laughs> anymore. Um, but I think it has done in the past. I think I've let directors get away with saying things and behaving in a way that I don't think is acceptable in a rehearsal room anymore. But it is changing, which is all, which is all good. Really, really good to see. Um, yeah, you, you get you get a certain generation, shall I say, that aren't comfortable being um uh having to have a discussion about how they've uh seen a role or whatever right. um by a, a woman <laughs> but it is definitely definitely changing all for the better so that's good i i i uh i think there is a, a positive light ahead in in terms of Absolutely. equality and in, in in so many ways and you know, it's that classic thing where I can I can talk about it, and um, it it doesn't necessarily mean I come from a place of experiencing the same kind of inequality. But I I think I know what's right and what's wrong. I like to hope to anyway. Yeah, and um, you know, to a certain extent, I probably have lost out on roles in the past because of, but I don't know that I've lost out on them for those reasons. So, or I choose not to think I've lost out on them for those reasons. Mm. So I think it's me trying to be positive about the way I view it otherwise I think it just drags you down and I'm not prepared to let that happen so um just go with the flow and uh be grateful when you are working and go and try and make it the best one you can you know if you were um, to um meet your 18 year old self and be able to give her some advice going ahead what would it be not to sweat the small stuff so much really not to that it will all be okay it's all right and that you do have a valid opinion and um again you know i went to a theater school at the time they were all very similar um in that you were uh, belittled is possibly not the right expression but they wanted to toughen you up for the business i suppose and and i look at it now as being well that's the way they were taught so they didn't know any different. So you can't take it out on, on them for the way they were with you. But, you know, for years and years and years, everything was never good enough. You know, it, it's got to be better than that. It's got to be better. If you're going to succeed in this business, it's got to be better than that. Maybe some of that was good for us to hear. But uh, I think it there's a lot more positive praise, I think, involved in training now. It was quite negative, I think, when I was training. Um, and I like to see that too. And and so I think it's taken me a long time to, to feel that I have a valid place. Um, or it did take me a long time to feel that I had a valid place. Uh, but again, I try and think, well, okay, that was part of the learning curve. And hopefully it's made me better at what I do now. Better, under, you know, more understanding of where all my you know most of my work is with the understudies uh who already have um you know difficulties in that perhaps they don't see the part in the same way or mm. they don't think they can do it in the same way or very often are in awe of the person that they're understudying and think i'm never going to be good enough so i hope I can help in that respect i think it's very much a more a pastoral role than a lot of people give it credit for really um and yeah i think that that would be the biggest piece of advice just enjoy it 
enjoy it because it has been one hell of a ride. It's been amazing. Really has been amazing. And I think the wonderful thing about you is, is that you are, and I like to think I do this, not in a copycat way, but a, a kind of, I think man management, one-on-one man management is, is very important with with actors with creatives with performers of all kinds as well as everybody who works backstage you know to feel that to have that value and and realize that your role is is important and you are important to this community that we are building up within a show i think that's something which is more well maybe in the work that i've looked at feels more prevalent than it ever did and i i feel that people feel a lot more empowered now because they're being given the tools to do so i agree totally agree and and it is vitally important we are building a company of people in a very short space of time and we're not all going to get on it it is all the time (laughs) that's not possible um but we have to give each other the space to be who who we are but at the same time feel confident enough to come together when we do come together to to create what we need to create Mm. does that make sense it does i think it does i'm I'm with you and (laughs) yeah uh, yeah finally uh my final question for today what is happiness to you oh i don't know i think that's changed massively um recently really uh i think it's just being at one with yourself and how you become at one with yourself is very different for absolutely everybody. Um, I am now at a place I think where um, I know who I am and that does seem to take me that's oh gosh that sounds all very um arty farty doesn't it sorry but I do (laughs) I do think I think it's taken me a long time to find it to get there and uh so yeah happiness is is being at at peace with myself and knowing that um I have the means to do what I choose to do what I want to do um I have great friends who are and not a lot in the business, actually. I've got a lot of friends that aren't in the business, which I think is great. Um, I have a lovely little house. Um, I love my garden. I, yeah, it's just peace, really. Wonderful. Ali Coyne, thank you very much. Thank you for asking me. It's been lovely. Behind the Pros is a podcast hosted by Buzzsprout, with musical thanks to Audio Jungle and Itan Epstein Music. The artwork was by Jared Page of Stagey Pagey, and if you wish to donate to the cause, paypal.me forward slash Gary Jerry. Any inquiries about Behind the Pros podcast, please contact behindthepros at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.